0: to see you. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm glad you're here today. So thanks for coming. Uh, let's, would you like to hear about a miracle? Yes. Yeah, here's a miracle. Friday night, we had 350 middle schoolers here. That's not the miracle. Haven't, haven't got there yet, to the miracle part. Here, no, here's the miracle part. Those 350 middle school students, they came here to enter a program called LIT, Leader in Training. So 350 kids said, I want to find out what it means to lead and to serve others. That's amazing, right? That's just amazing. So really cool. And, and here's, a, here's, the, here's the full story for these kids. Most of these 350 50 middle school students grew up coming to Blitz, which is our summer Bible camp that we do every year. We're doing it again in June coming up. And these kids came to Blitz, and they loved it, and then they aged out. I mean, you thought you were old. I mean, what's it, what's it like when you age out at age 12? It's like, we're sorry, you're old, you can't come anymore. You know, that's just weird. So they aged out, and then they were thinking, well, I really want to be involved in Blitz, and how do I do it? We say, well, we've got a program for you. If you want to serve others, if you want to serve the children that come to Blitz, you can come in and be a LIT leader in training, and we'll help you do that, and you'll be you know, part of our crew, our, our leadership team for Blitz this summer. So it takes 1,000 leaders to lead Blitz, and 350 of them this year will be junior hires. Yeah, that's amazing. That, that, I just think that's a miracle. You get 350 like, middle scores to do anything good together at the same time. That's a miracle on multiple levels. So it's really good. And, uh, and so those kids grew up through Blitz, so Blitz is coming up. We've got openings still in the morning. We have openings in the evening for Blitz. If you have children in your family who are not yet signed up, sign them up quick because it'll close up, it'll fill up. If you have neighbors who have children, or you have family members who have children, uh, if you have enemies who have children, (laughs) it doesn't matter. If if someone around you has children, invite them to come, because it'll be a a huge, beautiful place for those kids to meet Jesus, to be loved by people who are followers of Jesus, to kind of figure out what that whole uh, Jesus-following thing looks like, and feels like, and sounds like, Blitz is the place to make that happen, so... Uh, get your kids signed up, get your friends' kids signed up, and let's get going. Good? Good. All right. So we're talking these days about the well-crafted life, and it's a, it's a life that Jesus calls every one of us into. He, he says, I want you to live a life that is abundant. I, want, I, I came to give you life, and you might have it abundantly, that, that it might be full and meaningful for you. And one of the ways we describe that is by saying it's a well-crafted life. So he wants us to grow in our, in our um In our use of scripture and prayer and in generosity and in connection and in serving. So last weekend we gave you, we're talking about the the category of serving. Last weekend we gave you the service survey. If you were here, you remember we talked about, we said on on your connect card, tell us where you're serving at Lakeside Church currently. Like are you serving in Kids Fest or MSM or Encounter or the guest services team, wherever you're serving. Tell us where you're serving at Lakeside. Tell us where you're serving out in our community, because service is service, whether it's in the church or it's outside the church, it's still beautiful. So tell us where you're serving outside the church in the community, and then tell us approximately how many hours you give to those service opportunities every week. And so a lot of you wrote it down. Now, this is not a scientific sample because it was just last weekend's gathering, but here's the results from that. We, we, uh, as a church, are serving in 123 different ministries and organizations. Here and around town. That's great. That's, that's, I don't know if that's a miracle, but that's a lot, right? And just for those people that we're serving, that are serving, we give over a thousand hours to the church and to the community every single week. Now imagine if you just If you just plucked out all those servers and we no longer serve, just imagine the hole we would leave in the community if we weren't doing those service roles. And that wasn't even the whole church. Some of you weren't with us last weekend, so you missed the service survey. So you can still do it. Take your Connect card. Tell us where you serve at Lakeside, where you serve in the community, how many hours you serve. We'll just keep adding that up. Just not for any purpose except to say, look, God's doing something among us. And when we serve, something happens. When we serve, our life is transformed into a well-crafted life and the lives of others are well are, are transformed and changed, and maybe we lead them on in a journey toward uh, a well-crafted life for themselves. So that's what we're up to. Really good stuff. We're all about serving. Uh, Pastor Sean is serving in Africa this week. And so if you missed him last weekend, this weekend, he's in Africa. He's been in uh, Kenya. This is a picture with him and Mary Beth and a couple pastors there in Malawi, and uh, this weekend right now, he's in Mozambique uh, serving with Roger and Lynn Schmidt, our missionaries there. So let's see. Oh, and this we have another picture to show you of Sean when he was teaching children. Sean doesn't teach children without things in his hands. So here's Pastor Sean doing the African version of Jenga <laughs> or something. I'm making a spiritual point about it, too. So that, that's something. And then uh, so he's in Africa. Pray for him on his journey back. Josh Bolin's up at our men's conference leading music, serving there. Uh, by leading music for the men that are off at the conference. So some good stuff happening in the way of service these days. I want you to hear one more story about service before we look into Scripture today. So I got some friends here, Rick and Jane Miller. Why don't you welcome them up front, please? Rick and Jane. All right, good morning, you guys. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Got your mic on. You can't, you can't say good morning until you had your mic on. Morning. Good, good job. Way to go. So how many of you love uh, speaking in public? Yeah, about, that's about right. Good. So, um, actually, Jane is not one who likes that, so be nice to her. Okay? She's like the majority of you. It's like, oh, that's terrifying. So, um, let, Rick, let's start with you. Tell, why don't you just tell us how long you guys have been participating at Lakeside? Oh We've been members for about seven years. Okay. And uh, you've been involved in various kinds of service opportunities here. L- l- name some.
1: We have. Over the years, we have uh, volunteered for Kids Fest, for Blitz, Middle School Ministry, Property, you name it. Property, we're we're, we're game.
0: You, you like serve the property?
1: Well, so John Norris is the uh, property man here. Yeah. And if he needs help on something, we call him. We call him property
0: man. Property man. Good. Okay.
1: (laughs) If we need to kill weeds or something like that, then then I'll go help.
0: Oh, that's good. Does he ever let let you ride the mower? He does. We've been on this property 17 years, and they never have let me ride the mower with the blade working. So good for you. Well done. That's awesome. You must be highly responsible. That's good. It's fun. (laughs) I bet it's fun. All right. What are you involved in serving? What, What area are you involved in serving now?
1: So the Connections team is a group of volunteers that if you fill out the Connect card and you check one of the boxes that says, I want more information on a class or serving or joining a grow group, then um, Jane and I will get that information during the week and we'll, we'll call you back and, um, or send you an email depending on um, the information that you need and start a conversation and see if we can help uh, steer you onto one of the teams here at Lakeside or, or get you, get you involved uh, the way that you'd like.
0: That's fantastic. One of the worst things is like filling out a card and go, I want to do this or I want more information. And then you never hear back. So
1: yeah, we, a huge thing you're doing. We love to uh, call and, and get back with you, and if we leave voicemail, we love to hear back
0: from you. All right. Yeah. Now that's now someone gets connected with you through that through the connect card. Have we have we asked you to fill out a connect card yet today? I don't really, I, I don't remember asking you yet. Some of you are doing it because you have a habit. Oh, for the baptism. Yeah, for the baptism. So some of you, yeah, if you're getting baptized, we said, fill that out. What about the rest of you? Have you done that yet? The Connect card? You yeah. done it? Some of you not done it yet? We'll, we'll wait. We can see you, you know. All right, Connect card or check in on the, on the Lakeside Church app. Let us know you're here. And if you have things you're like, hey, I don't know how to get plugged into this or how to get connected to that, write that down there, and one of these guys will call you and connect with you about that topic or those topics, all right? Good, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Jane, tell us about, you were involved recently in, in this workshop we offer called Shape. And uh, mm. tell, us, tell us about that. What is Shape in the first place?
2: So Shape is a, uh, a workshop that um, um, lets you look into your, your spiritual gifts okay. and talents and where your heart is. And it... Um, it just focuses you on on, on those elements, and then um, and it's aw- it's an awesome program. Um, I did it, and it validated some of the things that um, I was gravitated to to serve in my other church. But now I'm here, and like Rick said, we've been here for seven years. And um, so when I did the shape group, it it opened up more doors that I could. Um, Um, explore, and then um, try it. Because you asked, maybe we could try some things. So we're trying this new ministry of calling people and getting them connected. And um, that's what Jesus says, to get people connected.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And you actually enjoy what you're doing with that role. I mean, right? So you're serving. And Sometimes we go, oh, I'm I'm serving. Like serving is not this great, cool thing, but you actually enjoy what you're serving in.
2: Right. You... Like to serve joyfully and cheerfully, and I found this to be fun. So it's it's fun. You you learn your um, your spirits and uh, spirits, your um, your your talents, and then you can joyfully serve.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So the shape class is coming up. Shape workshops coming up next weekend, next Sunday. And uh, if you've not been through that yet, and you go, I don't really know where to serve or how to get connected. Come to the SHAPE workshop, and we'll help you figure out, by God's grace, who you are, who you're designed to be, and how you can serve in the church or outside the church in a way that matches who you are. It's a beautiful thing, right? So, good. God bless you guys. Thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. While we're thinking about that SHAPE workshop and how you might serve, so we threw out last weekend, again, if you were here, you heard this, and maybe you've been thinking about it for the last week, or maybe you weren't with us last weekend, but we threw out... Uh, a service challenge. We said, you know, what, what, what would happen if you would just take the next six months and you said, I'm going to find a place to serve and I'm going to do it through Thanksgiving. And I, I just want to invite you into that. We have cards out or papers out at the info bar when we get done today. If you want to go out to the info bar, we've got lists of every opportunity to serve here at Lakeside. And so I want you to go, if you, if you don't have a place to serve yet, go out there, find the list and go, I'm going to try this one. And then, you know, get, get in connection with the leader of that ministry team or whatever and, and tell them, I'm going to volunteer through Thanksgiving. When Thanksgiving's over, I'm going to quit, just so you know. You know, they'll take you. They'll, you know, that's fine. Here's my bet. The thing I'm betting on is you get in there and you will go, this is so great, I don't want to stop. That's my, that's my bet. Now it's possible you might get in and go, oh, this didn't fit me. Or maybe you come to shape next weekend and you go, oh, I, I learned something else. I should be involved over here. Fine, then get involved in that. But we want you to be involved serving in some area because a well-crafted life is about serving. And I believe we never rise higher than when we serve. And I know I, we got some feedback last weekend. N- n- nobody, you know, feeling terrible about this, I think, but we got some feedbacks like, oh, I, I need to be, like we said, how many hours are you serving? And a lot of people write, "I it should be more. And like, oh, no, I sense the guilt or the shame that goes with that. We are not trying to shame you into serving, not one single bit. We're trying to inspire you into serving so that you go, that, this would be a beautiful part of my well-crafted life. That's the, that's the journey we're on together all right we're going to continue that talk today i want to pray together with you before we jump into scripture okay let's pray together father in heaven thanks for your goodness to us and your your beauty in the world that you've created around us we celebrate days like this weekends like this when it's so beautiful outside and everything's blooming and and gorgeous so thank you for that lord thank you that you want to do that same kind of thing in our heart you want to craft our life into a life that's beautiful not to say there's no pain not to say there's no struggle Those things are still there because we live on earth, but you want to make our lives in the midst of all the journeys we have here, you want to make our life beautiful, well-crafted, well-designed, and an honor to you. So thank you for that. Lord, for us today, as we look into your scriptures, I pray that you would teach us, let us know your heart, let us know our heart, and how do we get connected to you better and better. Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen. All right, so last week we talked about the well-crafted life as a server. How do we serve others? And we talked about serving specifically in the church, and we talked about serving in the community. I want to to flip the page on that a little bit today and still talk about the well-crafted life of a server, but I want to ask this question. How do I craft a life of service at work? We talk a lot at Lakeside about your spiritual life. Like, we want you to grow up in your spiritual life personally. We talk a lot about your spiritual life as it relates to your family. We talk a lot about your spiritual life as it relates to your oikos, that group of people that God has put in the front row of your life, your network, your extended family, that that kind of thing. But we don't talk very often about how do you craft a life of service at work? How do you you build a well-crafted life at work? And yet you spend most of your waking hours at work. We spend most of our work week at work and, and, you know, a few hours in the evening at home maybe or whatever and and playing and recreating or whatever. But most of the time we're awake, we're at work. How do you craft a well-crafted life of service at work? That's what we want to deal with today. So if you have your Bible, why don't you open it up today to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love you to bring one. If you have one at home and you didn't bring it, it's like bring it to church because we open it up every single week and we look at it. We read through it. We go, this is what it's about. And if you don't have a Bible even at home, you can, you can download the app on your smartphone. There's an app called YouVersion that we like to use. We put notes in there for you. We put the scriptures in there for you so you can follow along that way if you want. Okay? Or you can listen and I'll read it for you uh, as we go along for the next few minutes. So here's, here's a story in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, Paul's writing to a, a bunch of Jesus followers in a little town in Colossae, which is now in the nation, that, that little town uh, exists in the nation of Turkey these days. So he writes this letter 2,000 years ago to people about work, and how do they work, and how do they craft their life of service at work. And here's what he says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. talk about a couple of issues from that passage today. I want to talk first of all about the context of our work. It's interesting. With the very first word, some of you go, "Oh, I get this." Very first word he says is slaves. And you're like, that's exactly what it feels like for me. My environment at work feels like I'm a slave. My boss is crazy. The expe- expectations are the, through the roof, the morale is through the floor, and I work at the church. Or wherever it is that you work. And I know I know, in a a room with this many people, you've got all these different kinds of work environments that you're involved in. And some of you, you love your job and you love your boss and you love the environment and everything's fantastic. And then there's another group on the other end of the spectrum where you just go, I hate this. My boss is the worst. My job is the worst. My conditions are the worst. This is horrible. It couldn't get any worse than this. At which point I go, pause, because he starts off by saying, slaves. Slaves. Now, you may feel like a slave sometimes at work, but you are not one. There are slaves in this world still. Most of them are young girls. We're trying desperately to get those young girls out of slavery. We're trying not just to outlaw slavery, but to abolish slavery in our world these days. In our country, we abolished it 150 years ago. We don't have slaves anymore. And you may have a boss who puts you in bad conditions. You you may have a boss that expects you to work incredibly hard. But at the end of the day, your boss, your manager, your supervisor has to let you go home. And has to pay you. And so when Paul was writing this letter to these workers, he was writing to people that had no freedom They had no choices, they had no options, they had no money, and they had no hope for a better future. But they got to come to church. Maybe their masters were coming to church, maybe their masters had decided to follow Jesus, and then the whole oikos, which included the slaves in that time, maybe the whole oikos came to faith in Christ, so now the master was coming to church, and the slaves were coming to church with them. And they were hearing this message from Paul, and he writes this letter, and he says, Hey, I know you don't have any hope in your life, but you have hope in Christ. And here's how I want you to work in your work environment. Here's how I want you to serve in your work environment. Slaves and masters, employees and employers. Take the context that we're in, and we put it back in the Scripture, and we go, How does it work for me in my work environment? Now, let's talk about the commitments of a Jesus following worker. If whatever the context is that you're in at work, it it is what it is. Now, let's take that context and go, now, what are the commitments of a Jesus following worker? If I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm a worker at a company or whatever, you know, or, you know, in the government or wherever it is I work, how do I become a, uh, how do I make commitments as a Jesus following worker and what would they look like? Let's look at what he says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Let's stop with that. Slaves, obey. It's like, okay, if you're a slave, you have, pretty much have to obey. But here's the word that he uses when he describes that. The New Testament was written in Greek, and the word that Paul used for this word, obey, it was a compound Greek word. The first part of that word was hupa, which we, we get our word hyper from that. It literally means under. So he's saying something about being under, so it's hupa, kuo. Akuo is the word from which we get our word acoustics. What are acoustics? Acoustics are the science and art of hearing. You can hear my voice today without me sh- shouting all the time, we, you know, sometime maybe, but you can hear my voice in the room today because we have done acoustic work. We've engaged in the science and art of hearing. And so we have someone back at the sound board today making sure that you can hear what I'm saying because I don't want to say all this stuff if you can't hear I could, I could write it down and mail it in, but I, I want you to hear it. There's that, that's the acoustics of it. Hupakuo means to hear under, means to listen under. We translate it obey, but it really means hyper-listening. When your children obey you, they are hyper-listening. When they disobey you, they are not listening. They are not even hyper-listening. They're just not listening. When you're at work and you don't obey what the boss says, what the manager says, You're not listening. And Paul says, I want you to hyper-listen. I want you to listen under. I want you to listen for the words that are under what's being said. I want you to be sensitive to what the the supervisor needs from you, not just what he asks from you or what she asks from you. I want you to hyper-listen. There's a story in the New Testament that is told that uses this word in a little different setting, a little bit different context, and I think it will help you to to hear and to understand what he's talking about. In Acts chapter 12, there's a story of the apostle Peter. He's in jail because he follows Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, we we talk about where our country is and where our culture is, and and being a follower of Jesus isn't really as popular as it once was, and maybe not even as well accepted as it once was. But we don't go to jail for being followers of Jesus. There will not be cops out front. When we get done today, you know, you come out the door, they start checking you in, put you in the paddy wagon, take you to jail. Nobody does that here. It happens in places around the world. But it doesn't yet happen here. But it happened for Peter. For no other reason but that he loved Jesus. He went to jail. And he spent several nights, days and nights in jail and the Jesus' followers um, around him and in that city, they were praying for Peter. And every night when they were done with work, they'd gather together in someone's home and they would pray for all kinds of things, but they would pray for Peter. And they were like, Lord, let him out of jail. Let him out of jail. Please, Lord, let him out of jail. One of the prayer meetings where they were ha- one of the homes where they having these prayer meetings was a home of a woman named Mary. Her son's name was Mark. He would later write the Gospel according to Mark. And in his parents' house, they were having this prayer meeting. And one of their prayers was, "Lord, please let Peter go. Let him out." The night before Peter's trial, he's sleeping. He is chained to two guards, one on either side. He's got chains on both wrists, chained to two guards. At the inside gate, there's another guard. At the outside gate, there's another guard. He is chained in, in jail. And his trial is tomorrow, and he's sleeping between these guards. And in the middle of the night, an angel comes and smacks him on the shoulder and goes, Hey, Pete, wake up! Peter wakes up, he's like, what's going on? I mean, this is, this is a little bit of a frightening thing. You're chained down and you're smacked and you're awakened. And when you look up, it's not just anybody who's smacking you, it's an angel. That's a terrifying wake-up call. And, he, and, and so the angel goes, come on, wake up. He's like, I, 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 can't, I, I can't go anywhere because I'm chained. And as he's saying that, the chains are coming off his arm. They, he's, suddenly he's free and the guards are sound asleep. And, and they go to the first gate and it swings open for them. First automatic door. And they go through, and they get to the second gate, and it opens, and they get out, and now they're on the street. And as soon as they're free on the street, the angel leaves them. Which, you know, would make you stop and think about what's going on, and you don't have time for that. Because now you're free, and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if the guards are going to come running out the the jail to to arrest you again. So Peter decides, I've got to go to one of the homes where they're having prayer meetings tonight. And so he makes his way through the city, and he finally arrives at the home of this woman named Mary, and he knocks on the door. And a servant girl named Rhoda comes to the door and she goes, who is it? And they're all terrified because they're all afraid they're going to go to jail. She goes, who is it? Peter says, it's the Apostle Pete. Which I'm sure is how he spoke to them in those, I don't know. (laughs) It's Peter. And Rhoda gets so excited. She goes back in the prayer meeting. She's like, Peter's at the door. They're praying that Peter would be released. They go, no, he's not. Which is always weird that we pray for things. And when they happen, we go, I don't think that really happened so weird they go no he's not she goes yeah he is they go well then why didn't you let him in she goes oh i forgot she runs back out to the door and she lets him in and the word that it used when she opened the door is the word hupakuo i mean she answered the door that's how they translate it she answered the door it's the word obey it's the word to hyper listen but if you're if you're not doing something with what you heard, you're not hyper listening. She heard the knock on the door, she heard Peter's voice outside the door, but she never opened the door until she went back. And then she answered the door. Here's the first commitment of a Jesus following worker. I will be the worker who answers the door. I will be the one Who hyper listens? I will be the one who hears underneath. I will not just listen for what you asked me to do, or I will not just listen for what you told me to do. I will hyper listen for what you need me to do. I will be the worker who answers the door. Is that you? That's the commitment of a Jesus following worker. Now, the story goes on. Paul's not done speaking to us about the way we serve and the way we work. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor. Literally, he says, not with eye service, but with real service, not when their eye is on you. You know, you know what it's like to work when their when when eye is on you? Like when the boss is watching, you're like working so hard, and then the boss goes on vacation, and you're just having a great time now. That, not that you would do that, but you know what I'm talking about. He goes, not just when their eye is on you. When I was in college, I got a job in a glass company. Like we, 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 we did windows for, for houses and for commercial developments and part of our part of our company they we did screens so when I got hired I was gonna be the screen guy. You know, I'm gonna make screens. It's like it's not rocket science but it's one step down from there on the list. Screen maker. Okay, never mind. It's not quite that high, but, you know, it's pretty important. So I'm being trained to make screens, like screen doors and window screens and those kinds. Of, I'm being trained to make screens by a buddy of mine who had the job before me, and he was moving up to glazier, you know, glass guy, and I'm going to do the screens now. So he's training me up to do this stuff, and we finished the first project, and he goes, all right, that's good enough for government work. And I remember thinking in my mind, I don't work for the government. Now... Which is weird because some of you do. I mean, some of you can. Go, I, I work for the government, you know, and I'm here to help. You know, I, you know, never mind. You don't know that joke, but that's all right. <laughs> he goes, "That's good enough for government work." And I and I got a little frustrated because I know Colossians three. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's how it works. And then we would go on through the course of my training with him, and every now and then he'd drop that line again. Oh, that's good enough for government work. And I finally stopped him. He was a follower of Jesus, also. I finally stopped him. I said, look, we don't work for the government. We don't work just when, our, when someone's eye is on us. We're, we're, we're serving the king of kings here. It's a little different. Wherever you work, he says, I want you to, I want you to serve them not just when their eye is on you. Not just mailing it in. He says, but I want you to serve with sincerity of heart. Sincere is a Latin word. It, it, there's a story that says it comes from two words uh, sin, which means without in that case, and sere, which means wax. So there's a story that's told. In fact, Dan Brown wrote about this in his book, Angels and Demons. You know Dan Brown from like the Da Vinci Code and and the book Angels and Demons. It was a book, Angels and Demons, where he describes some of the churches in Rome that sort of inspired my sabbatical trip a few years ago when Donna and I went to Italy and looked around. And our whole trip was designed around sacred architecture. And some of the things that, that Dan Brown wrote about like, inspired me to go check these things out. It's so amazing. But in his story, Angels and Demons, he tells a story about how they built these ancient cathedrals and how, how hard they were to build and how they manufactured them. And they would build these, these huge marble columns to hold the roofs up. I don't know if you ever stopped to think about how those marble columns got, got moved. How do you move something like that? And so if it turns out those columns aren't just, aren't just carved out of the quarry like one whole solid car- column. They're, they're, they're carved out in disks. So there's, so, you know, a, a disk this size maybe and, and uh, however big around. And then they would take that disk of marble, they'd polish it all up, get it all ready, and then they would roll it to the job site. That's how they got it there. And they'd, then they'd, they'd pile up some dirt and then they'd roll the next one on top of that, fit it on top of that, and make it all smooth and beautiful. Now, sometimes it turns out some of the, some of the stone cutters at the quarry weren't all that scrupulous. They, weren't, they didn't have all that much integrity. Sometimes they'd have a beautiful piece of marble. They had to get it all ready for the disc to be able to put into this column. And sometimes they'd find when they were just about ready, they, ha- they had a crack in it. They found out that they could melt wax and drip it down in that crack, and it would kind of fill up, and then they could polish it off, and you'd have a, you'd have a, a column piece. It was, it was pretty good, but it had wax in it. Now, wax is okay if you're going to burn a candle, but if you want to hold up a granite roof, wax in the column is not all that cool. So the architects began to get wise to this, and so then they would, they would when they ordered their, their marble columns, the disks to make the columns, when they ordered those, they would begin to order them uh, marble without wax. So they'd have a really solid, strong column. Isn't that a great picture? Without wax. What if we were to serve without wax? What if we were to serve at work without wax? Now, time out. Full disclosure, I found out that that story that I've heard told a lot, I found out that that story has no historic basis. They didn't, guys weren't, they weren't pouring wax inside of a marble column, you know, and faking it. They weren't, because you know what would happen? You'd have collapsed buildings all over Rome. Or I'm like that's so disappointing because it's a story about sincerity and it's insincere. (laughs) Which is sometimes what our life as followers of Jesus is like. We we present this image. We're like I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. I do it right. I'm I'm following the rules. I'm you know whatever those things are. I've got a good image. Then they find out that inside it's not what it's all cracked up to be. It's all about sincerity, but it's not sincere. And I got all disappointed about that story because I'm like, I want to use that for the talk. Fact, I, I, I titled the whole thing, Serving Without Wax. And then I found out the story's not real. Still a good story. I mean, still, w- w- wouldn't that be an amazing commitment for us? If commitment m- number two said, as a follower of Jesus, I will serve without wax. I will be unmixed, unadulterated, unaltered, pure. That's what the word sincere means, pure. When I say the commitment of a Jesus-following worker is, I will be the worker who serves without wax, what I'm saying is, I will be the worker who serves with purity of heart. Is that you on your job? Is that you toward your boss? That's the commitment of a Jesus-following worker. I will serve without wax. And then he takes one more step. He says, I want you to serve. I want you to obey. I want you to hyper-listen, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I want you to do your job with reverence for the Lord. I want you to think about who God is, who the Lord is, and I want you to work them with all your heart, with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Because sometimes, sometimes you have a human master, and they're sort of a like, like a jerk. Aren't sometimes, right? And you don't nod your head because your boss might be in church too. That wouldn't be great. But isn't that sometimes how it goes? Like he's a mess or she's a mess. They're a jerk. And then I just want to gently ask you, and and forgive me in the process of asking the question, but what if you are a jerk? You know, what if you are you know? I mean, because isn't it likely, isn't it possible if you go, my boss is a jerk, and don't you think they're thinking the same thing back? Sometimes that goes both ways. And that's where Paul calls us to a higher calling. In regard to the people that we serve at work, he goes, I want you to do whatever you do with all your heart. Serving the Lord, not human masters. Because I want you to live with reverence for Christ while you serve. Why? He lays this out for us. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Well, look, because you serve Christ, you're going to have an inheritance. You're going to re- receive an inheritance regarding the work that you do here on earth. You're like, oh, if I, if I get an inheritance, that means I'm the heir. If I'm the heir of the boss, I don't have to work that hard. I mean, right? I mean, the boss's son doesn't have to work that hard, does he? Actually, I think when, when you're the boss, you have all kinds of perks. When you're the boss's son or daughter or nephew, you've got you to work way harder. you got to live this out way better because everybody's eyes are on you all the time. But beyond that, beyond any human motivation, he says, I want you to do this with all your heart and I want you to remember you're going to receive a reward, a reward and inheritance from God. And then he says this, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It is not just people who work at church who serve the Lord Christ at work. Wherever you work, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. That phrase, that title is only used once in the Bible. We have all kinds of titles for Jesus, like Jesus, my friend, or my, my Savior, Jesus, those kinds of things. There's a lot of different titles for Jesus, and the Bible uses a lot of different titles for Jesus, but it only uses this title once, and it's right here in this passage talking about our work environment. He says, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. The Lord Christ, not the advisor Christ oh, it's the advisor Christ whom I serve. You know, I know Jesus says this, but I'm going to take that into consideration and then I'm going to say, "No, uh It's not the advisor Christ that we serve. It is the Lord Christ whom we serve. So commitment number three says, I will be the worker who serves the Lord Christ. When you serve the Lord Christ, it changes everything. And you will never rise higher at work than when you serve the Lord Christ. That's our calling. That's the well-crafted life at work. Jesus, thank you for being our master. You're our Savior. You're our friend. You're our counselor. All those are beautiful. We love the fact that you engage with us in those ways, but Lord, we're also grateful to you that you are the Lord Christ. You are the Master Christ. And you call us to live this well crafted life, even at work, even when the environment's not great, even when nobody else is going along with you. You call us to serve you, the Lord Christ. So, Lord, today that's our commitment to you. As people that work in this world, who have masters and bosses and supervisors, our commitment to you is that we will serve you, Lord Christ, with sincerity of heart, without wax. Not just when someone's eyes are on us, but all the time. Listening under to what our supervisors need so that they receive a blessing from us. Lord, that's our commitment. Would you empower us for this? Would you uh, energize us for this prospect that we would serve this way at work? And would you be honored through us and the way we give ourselves to others at work? Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen.